Well, good morning. I hope y'all are all excited about celebrating Labor Day tomorrow by not working. It's something that I enjoy doing, although as a preacher, I only have to work one day a week anyway, so it's like a normal week for me. But for the rest of you, happy Labor Day. I'm excited that you're going to get to join in, hopefully getting a day off, having a little bit of, of rest and an opportunity to give glory and honor to God by just slowing down a little bit. We have been discussing over the last several uh, weeks about worship. In fact, we embarked on a journey about a month ago asking the question, what is worship? And so I've scrapped up some more pictures and I want us to look at again this morning. When we started, we said, hey, what is worship? And this is one of the pictures, this is one of the first pictures that Google popped up when I said, what is worship? This is one of them. And so let me ask this right now. Is this worship? Okay, I'm going to answer it this way. It can be. I think this can be worship. What about this right here? Is this worship? Yeah, it can be. Is this worship? Absolutely, it can be. Is this worship? It can be. Is this worship? It can be. And you say, well, those are all things that, you know, typically happen, you know, in a, a church building, in a time where we actually come together and we call it worship. But what about this? Is this worship? Can it? Are you sure there are people sitting around today? I mean, there's no pews. I mean, there's no fog machines. There's, you know, it's not like, I mean, there's a tree back there, but it's not like they're on a mountain. Nobody's kneeling. Can this be worship? Okay, I, what about this? What if this, what if this is a Monday morning? Can this be worship? What if they're circling around the table to decide which one of those is going to lose their job? Can this be worship? It can be. What about this right here? Can this be worship? What, what, what happened? Wait, hang on, hang on. A minute ago, I was like, is this worship? And you're like, yes, this is worship. I move over to here, and I'm like, is this worship? And it's like, crickets? Is this worship? It can be. You're, you're figuring it out. Oh, I'm stepping on my wife's toes right now. Is this worship, Jennifer? It can be. Some of you teachers are like, uh-uh. I know what this is. And it's a word I can't say in a church building. Like, you know how tough this can be. Throw on some masks and have kids going crazy all over the place. Is this worship? It, it absolutely can be. Is this worship? It can be. Hi, now this is stepping on my own toes. I wanted to find a picture of like a school bus in front of me or somebody parked across the crosswalk. Like it just drives. Is this worship? It can be. The fact is, is that worship is like what we talked about several weeks ago. It's filled with hills and valleys and ups and downs. And sometimes you're, you're basking in the sun and sometimes you're freezing in the shadows. Sometimes you don't really know where you're going. But worship is everywhere. It absolutely can be. 
whatever you're doing, wherever you are. So the question we have to ask is, how do we decide what worship is? When is kicking a soccer ball worship, and when is it not worship? I believe worship is simply this. It is acknowledging who God is and responding to that knowledge in a way that brings glory to our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Lord. I think it's just simply that. If we go by that definition, worship can be almost anywhere. But the key is we have to focus on God. Remember, worship is not about who we are. Worship is not about what specific act we are doing. Worship isn't even and shouldn't be only about what God has done, done for us. And you say, wait, wait, no, that's important what God is. It is important what God has done for us. But if our worship is totally surrounded by the idea of what God has done for us, then what happens when God isn't doing what we think he should be doing? It's like, I'm not worshiping today. Because I wanted that promotion and God didn't give it. Why would I worship him? My marriage is falling apart. Why should I worship Him? If we base it solely on what He's doing for us right now, then our worship's going to look a lot like this. How many people worship on a Monday morning if it's only about what God is doing for them? Worship is about who God is, and that never changes. We talked about last week, we talked about why Jesus came down to earth. And some people good-heartedly think, well, that's because God wanted to know how humans felt. God knew how we felt. He created us. He created our very feelings. God did not send Jesus so that he might learn how, you, how humans feel and think and act. Jesus came down so that humans can learn how God feels and he thinks and he acts. Now there's a couple of big words that Bible scholars use. I'm not one of them. But they use this to describe a shift in thinking and what leads us to true worship. The first one is anthropocentric. Does anybody know what that means? It just means focusing on man. That man is the center. That people are the center. That humans are the center. And that's really how our world is starting to operate. But there's this other big word, Christocentric, which means that Jesus is at the very center. It's not about us and what we want. And if we can put Him back in the, in the forefront, then our lives can drastically be changed. In a book that was published last year, Mark Branson writes that many societies in the world, including or maybe even especially in America, they have brought in a theory he calls modernity's wager. Okay, And it's basically this. Branson argues that modernity's wager is the idea that life can be lived and it can be lived well without God. 
that God is really not that important. He's secondary. He's tertiary. He's out over on the sides. He doesn't even have to exist. And if he does exist, we only need him in certain times and in certain places. Like, like on Sunday mornings, we can have God. That's okay. Maybe just before meals. We can invite God in for a few seconds. Maybe at night as we're nodding off to sleep. Oh, let me think for a few moments about God. Maybe when the car breaks down, it's good to have God. Maybe when financial struggles threaten to break us down, we remember God. Maybe when we're waiting for the test results to come back, to determine whether it's benign or malignant. That's a good time to have God. Maybe when our team is facing a fourth and one situation. Is, is Coach Mills in here? Or maybe a fourth and 30 situation. That happened several times on Friday. They, they still pulled it off. What about when we need the light to turn green? Have you ever talked to God at a red light? Have you ever said, God, I need a favor. I am late. If you can just do me a solid, make this light turn green, and let's get on with it. You're coming up on its red, and you're green, green. Come on, Lord. Give me green, give me green, give me green. Let's green, let's go. Thank you, Lord. And then the next red light. I can't believe, God, you gave me a red light. Anthropocentric, Christocentric. The idea of God being at the very center. But but what if God wants to be around more than just at a green or a red light? Maybe if he says, hey, I really like the start of the meal, but why don't let, you, let me hang around for the rest of it? What would happen if you thought about God and talked to God more than just those last moments before you're nodding off to sleep? What if worship is more than an occasional thought, a half-hearted plea, or a quick fix? What if Christians lived like they needed God, that they wanted God, and that they adored God? What if, as we discussed last week, that God is in fact working and He is calling us to join with Him in the work that He's doing? Christocentric versus anthropocentric. Centered on Jesus, not on ourselves. And for the next few minutes, that's all I really want us to do. I want us to try to review life with Jesus at the center. What would happen? Now, we have this over here. This is at the back of the auditorium. It gets moved around everyone's wall. This is kind of like where we have Jesus in our lives, right? Like, he's over here. We can glance over there. But what would happen... What would happen if we decided to move him a little bit closer and put him in the forefront? And no, oh, I just lost the crown of thorns. What if, what if this is where Jesus was, in the very center of our lives? So I just, I want to do something. I want to open this up. I know this is sermon, this isn't class time. But I want you to think about if this were the cross that Jesus were on, and just kind of go with me a little bit, what does the cross tell you 
about God. If, if God's purpose was in fact in sending Jesus not only to redeem us, but to say, hey look, this is who I am and this is how much I love you. What, what does the actions of Jesus on the cross, what does that say to you? you what's a word that comes to mind when you think about the, the cross? What, what, is it, what is Jesus on the cross, what does that mean? What is, what is God? What? God is love. I mean, not alike. Like, I like a lot of you, most of you. Even my kids on many days, I like them. Like, I'll take you out to lunch. Like, you need a, a, a letter of reference? Like, I'm all over that. You need your lawn mowed? I'm a, great. A refrigerator moved? Let's do that. I like you. Okay? This is not I like you, we're kind of friends type of thing. This is I'm giving everything for you. I'm leaving nothing. All that I have. That's what the cross says about God. God is all in for you and humanity. What else does the cross say to you? What's another word that comes up? How would you describe God based on the actions on the cross? Humble. That God is humble. You know, I kind of saved that towards the end, but this idea of Philippians chapter 2, of what it took. You know, he, he, was, he was God. He was equal with God. And He had to give up everything to be a man. Everything. We talked about last week on Wednesday night, we talked about mirrors, right? And it's just this weird thing. We were talking about the difference between guys and girls. Women look in the mirror 16 times a day on average. Men look in the mirror on average 23 times a day. Isn't that crazy? You wouldn't think that? But here's the funny part, right? Women look in the mirror and what are they focused on? The things they don't like. What do guys look at when they look in the mirror? They look at the things they like. It's why we're always looking in the mirror. We're like, yeah! We flex, you know, we do this. I, I know none of you have ever done this, but somebody licked their you know, eyebrows and said, if the Lord had made anything more beautiful, He'd kept it for Himself. Do you think this is a flex of how great and awesome or how humble that Jesus was. Guys, Jesus was stripped down, nailed to a cross. People are saying about Him and His mom and His faith and His God and they were spitting on Him and He could have just so easily said, no, we're not doing this anymore. But He chose you. And in doing so, that tells me that I serve a God not only loving, but a God who is humble and puts His children in a place of glory. What else does the cross say to you? Forgiving. Think about that. 
what he would do, he didn't come up here for houses or cars. He came up for your sins. That's why there had to be a payment. Not only does the cross speak of forgiveness, it talks about the seriousness of sin and what it would take to bail you out of hell. What would it take to get you out of that place? To have you in right relationship with, with God? It would take the blood and sacrifice of a perfect lamb. And that would be Jesus. That's what this cross represents. Another word. Kind. What? And a healer. The kindness that was displayed, the love that He would show, that He would allow Himself this perfect, spotless Lamb. And that in doing so, that sacrifice was about healing us and making us whole and showing us exactly who God is. The cross tells us that God is a loving God. The cross tells us that He is a forgiving God. The cross tells us that He is a sacrificial God. The cross tells us that He is an inviting God. The cross tells us that He is serious about sin, that He is courageous, and that He is unwavering in His desire to bring us closer to Him. But don't just believe my words. Listen to some of these. I know this is going to make a few of you guys nervous. You see me holding the songbook and you say, man, this is about to get ugly. I'm not going to sing. Okay, but I want you to listen to some of these words that you've sung before. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gains I count but loss and I pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord. All the vain things that charm me, I sacrifice them to His blood. See from His head, from His hands, from His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? How about this one right here, just the second verse? I know that's not what we do in the Church of Christ. We normally skip the middle verse. But this one, I want you to hear this one. This one is really important. I love this. This is brought up by one of our uh, song leaders, Sean Wood, several years ago. He was sharing this. Uh, verse 2 of, It is well with my soul. He says, My sin. And the writer stops. Because the writer is so overwhelmed with this thought. He says, My sin. He goes, Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. He can't even go on. He says, this is awesome, guys. My sin, listen up here. My sin, not in part, not the little things, not the white lies, but the deep, dark sins that I don't want anyone to know about. All of those are nailed to the cross, and I don't bear them anymore. I don't wear them. They are not on, my name is not attached to them anymore. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. 
how great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice cry out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. What if... What if we began viewing the world and everything we do in light of the cross? What if we entered into a meeting and our focus and our reminder was the fact that Jesus, Son of God, was loving and forgiving and merciful and kind and patient? How might we go into that meeting with a different and better understanding of how we worship? What if we went into a sporting event? Or heaven forbid, what if we got into our car to drive our kids to school through the school zone and the crazy people who drive in there? And what if we said, you know what? As you get into the car, as you buckle your seatbelt, as you get in the 10 and 2 position and you're heading that way and people are cutting in front of you, what if you're reminded of a God who says, I am greater, I am higher, I am holier, and yet I will choose to humble myself. And all of a sudden, somebody cutting in front of you maybe isn't something that would lead you to road rage. Whether you're on the soccer field and you think about a God who was courageous and brave and gave it all and yet He still was able to, sh to show kindness and fairness and love to other people. How might we view life if the cross was ever before us I truly believe that we're not doing anything wrong by coming together every week and observing communion because it is an opportunity for us to say this is what is important that Jesus died for us I don't think we're doing anything wrong if we choose to observe communion every day. And you can say, well, the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about it. Well, you know, they talked about they got together daily and they broke bread. What if every day we stopped and we meditated and prayed and gave thanks to God for what He did for us what exactly is worship? It is remembering who God is as we lift hands, as we bow heads, as we bend knees.
What is worship? It is playing soccer, being aware of the heart, the courage, and the love of Jesus. What is worship? It's, it's walking into a store looking for those who need ministering. It's eating at a restaurant, being thankful for what we have, and being gracious to the one who brings it to us. What is worship? It's talking to our spouse in such a way that brings honor to our spouse and brings glory to God. What is worship? It's sitting in a classroom. It's going into a mall. It's walking up and down the hallways of our school. It is remembering who God is. This week, I want to ask you to put the cross at the forefront of everything you do this week. Before you get in the car, I want you to be thinking about Jesus and His sacrifice and who that makes God and how we should respond. Teachers, I know it's not easy. When you walk into a classroom, I want you to think about the sacrifice of Jesus and what it means when you deal with the kids. The messy kids, the loud kids, the kids that are always going crazy and they never miss a day of school. Those kids. When you walk into your office and you have to deal with a coworker or a boss or a subordinate, I want you to think about who God is, what He did on the cross, and how you might live differently because of that. That is worship. We're going to continue this on in class and shameless plug, hang around. We're going to be looking at John 12, a story of a woman that you know so well. But I want to think about again, how was her life changed? Not because who she was or even what Jesus did, but even greater, who God is. This week, may we put Christ at the center and let all of our actions be motivated by that. Please join me in that as we stand and sing this morning.